Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Today is the final day to register for the all-new Entree Architect Profit course. It's a comprehensive seven-part self-directed online training program teaching financial management to busy architects. Is money getting in the way of you being the best architect you can be? Learn more and register before midnight tonight, Eastern Time, at entrearchitect.com slash profit course. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 269, and this week... I'm with architect Meghna Joshi, and she's talking about enhancing life safety through artificial intelligence. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more at RCAT.com, Gusto, Gusto is refreshingly easy payroll benefits and HR for the modern small business like ours. And FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. Meghna Joshi, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be back. It's great to have you here. This is going to be a really exciting conversation here. Let me just introduce you to the listeners if they if they haven't uh, listened to episode 181, which is when you were on last time. Um, 
uh, Magna is a, an associate with WHA Incorporated, specializing in senior and affordable housing solutions. Uh, many of her projects have been awarded, and she's received um, the 2018 AIA California's Associate Award and Presidential Citation honoring her commitment to the profession. And she's also one of the inspiring moms of 2019 for the Orange County Register, which I love. Um, at AIA Orange County, she is the founder, chair uh, of um, the Women in Architecture Committee and the director of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Under her project Amplify, which she founded, she amplifies and celebrates voices and works um, of minority architects throughout the world with diverse projects. Megna is the co-founder of Studio Tech, uh, an Irvine, California-based startup specializing in designing products that enhance life and safety solutions in buildings. She and her husband have filed joint patents on two of their inventions, and they're currently building prototypes for those inventions right now. The first product, R-Path, uh, will be unveiled this year at the AIA conference in uh, on architecture in Vegas, uh, where she'll also be speaking on enhancing life and safety through artificial intelligence. That sounds very interesting. I want to get into that here. Uh, our path is in an artificial intelligence powered emergency response device, which will augment existing life safety solutions. So I'm really interested in this. So um, Magna, you, you shared your entire origin story back in episode 181 as part of the Entrepreneur Architect series here mm -hmm. on the podcast. We have several uh, members of the community come on the show, share their story. Um, and it was, it, and, and so the entire episode is there for anybody who wants to go back to episode 181. But for listeners here today, just give us a little background on where you came from, what, your, your, what inspired you to become an architect and then your story to where you are today. Uh, I am an architect from India. Uh, I immigrated to America almost 20 years ago and uh, been working here ever since, um, set up my entire career here. <laughs> um, I used to tell people that uh, the first time I wanted to be an architect was when I saw the historic buildings in the place I grew up at. But my mother recently corrected me. She said uh, I was around three years old and I would make houses from boxes. That's when I started. So a little correction to my older episode where I uh, shared my inspiration being historical buildings. Yeah. Looks like boxes inspired me more. <laughs> um, from the last episode, I think the biggest change is... Uh, my children have grown up a little bit, and I have time to devote myself to things that I believe in, things that I want to work for. And as a result, I have engaged myself more into AIA and uh, working more towards um, Project Amplify, bringing, um, you know, amplifying voices and works of uh, minority women. Um, all that couldn't be uh, possible before, but now I have more time and I'm working on those. And even at work, I'm just going with the whole be more, do more thing everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like you've, you've, you've progressed quite a bit since we last spoke, um, not only through actually getting much more engaged in the profession uh, through AIA, taking on some leadership responsibilities and giving back to the profession. 
um, which is a de- near and dear to my heart to, to share, share your knowledge and, and give back. Um, and so uh, it's exciting to, to have you here to talk about that. And, and then the idea of what you're doing now, um, mm-hmm. you know, we were, we were on, in the Entree Architect community talking about some of the different things that were happening with our community. And, and uh, I heard what you were doing and I said, well, I have to get you back on the show <laughs> and talk about this because um, I think one of the things that really is going to be a big, uh, uh, you know, a huge change in our society is the mm-hmm. coming of artificial intelligence um, yes. and the other technologies that are similar to artificial intelligence. And, and to see that you are working actively on something, you have two patents already uh, filed, you're working on prototypes and using artificial intelligence today to, to enhance life safety in buildings. And so I want to, I want to get right into that and hear a little bit about what it is, how you're, mm-hmm. you're proceeding with that. So maybe go back to um, what it is and then sort of explain why you you started, you know, in this in this on this path. Okay. Uh, I've always been interested in uh, life and safety more than aesthetics. I think I said that many times in my blog also. Yeah. Um, but there was a particular incident that happened and uh, changed my whole outlook on how we do life and safety in our buildings. Um, back in 2017, my daughter was a junior at uh, Troy High School. It's a magnet school in Orange County. And um, around late afternoon, she got a text from school saying uh, there's been something happening here. And um, eventually, parents also got a call, and uh, they said they had credible evidence that uh, two students were planning a Columbine-style attack on school. Mm. Um, oh it was, it, yeah, it was emotionally really hard for me as a mother. And, uh, the next day I didn't let her go to school. I kept her home, <laughs> but you can't keep her home forever. Right. Uh, they have to go back to school. But then uh, it opened up a dialogue with my husband. My husband is a software engineer and he does work with all these technologies so uh, we started talking, and I talked to him about how we use building assemblies to, uh, you know, use uh, for fire protection and uh, building codes that protect us. But then we are not fully prepared for these kind of mass shooting incidents because here uh, there is no safe exit that we can plan. What happens is not in anybody's control. So then he said, um, maybe there is a way. Maybe there is a way we can use technology and uh, identify all these po- uh, pointers and uh, you know do something about it. Um, but then we don't want to do um, surveillance of the kids all the time because that has its own side effects. You don't want to you know, profile them and criminalize them and all that. Right. Um, that's one problem with continuous profiling, and uh, you need somebody to sit down and monitor all those, and that adds to the cost. And uh, while some of the schools can do that, not all schools can afford to have a monitoring system like that in place and have somebody sit down and look at all that. Um, so then we thought, oh, okay, artificial intelligence can automate things for you. Uh, you don't have to be continuously available. You don't have to continuously monitor things, but it can identify dangers. It can, um, you know, tell when there is a danger and make certain decisions on your behalf. So then we started working on a prototype. The first one, the first idea that he did was 
he actually uh, built a proof of concept right here in our house, and he tested the concept. And then we realized it works not just for school safety and all that. It works great for fire and life safety. How, how, did, and, you, how did you test it at home? What, uh, was, what was that like? We used, we used a little lighter, and it took my pictures. So the first picture that it took is of mine. <laughs> So, so what is, how, how is, how did, like sort of on a basic level, how does uh-huh. it work? What? I don't think I can completely uh, share how it works, but what I'll uh, share is it's a smart system mm-hmm. and it will identify the danger and it will take actions on your behalf. It will not only intimate people in power, uh, it will also intimate law enforcement at the same time. Is it, is it and, video, is it video based? I can't tell you okay. that. Okay. Okay. So, so somehow <laughs> they, it, somehow the yes. system is yes. is recognizing a threat, uh-huh. um, and by its recognizing a threat, it's going through some processes to notify yes. the the police, to notify you, to to do some yes. some specific actions automatically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, during the last two mass shootings that happened, there was a time lag in um, how information was shared and. People on the outside, especially law enforcement, didn't know what was happening <clears throat> inside. So that added to the response time. So with our device, I think we can cut down that lag significantly. Um, if a response time is around five minutes for the law enforcement, we can cut it down to three minutes or maybe two and a half. And they will come in with the knowledge of what's happening, where it's happening, so that you know they can uh, quarantine that area and focus on that rather than uh, try to enter in from all exits, secure the perimeter and all that. Right. And, so, and, and there's, in addition to the response time of law enforcement, there's mm-hmm. probably a very large amount of time in the beginning where people are sort of discoordinated. They're not sure what's happening. You know, yeah. they haven't identified yet what's happening. They know there's a threat, but they don't know if it's mm-hmm. real or if it's credible. And so mm-hmm. there's this big long delay that the, before the law enforcement is even called. Mm-hmm. And so if yeah. there was some sort of technology that can identify, yes, that's a potential threat. And so mm-hmm. now we're going to go through this system and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, announce that. And then the people can still do the, all the things they're doing, but the authorities have been, uh, you know, notified yes. and action is being there taken is, yes. probably, you know, uh, you know, uh, many, many minutes prior or potentially, you know, an hour or so be- uh-huh. before, you know, it would have uh, uh, previously been identified and, and notified. Yes. And maybe uh, they'll just, you know, act quickly and uh, avert a major emergency or something like that. Yeah, and, Maybe and it doesn't it, even have to be an emergency. Exactly right. Quickly, yeah. it could it could also be a deterrent if the system was installed and and people who who are thinking about such a, an incident um, mm-hmm. understand that there is a system in place that will identify the threat and identify you um, mm-hmm. very quickly. That they may not try it in the first place, and so right. it may actually be a deterrent in addition uh-huh. to you know being something that would help uh, in in an action. Very interesting. So uh, there's two parts to it. One will be a deterrent system and then emergency notification system. And the other part that I'm working on right now, it's in design development with our engineering team. It's an exiting system. Um, I have autoimmune disease. So sometimes my cognitive abilities are not at, at their best. So, um, and you know, there are in schools, there are kids with autism, mm-hmm. kids on spectrum, and 
it's not easy for kids like that to just look at a sign blaring and you know say okay i'm going to exit this building calmly it doesn't happen right um, there is a certain i wouldn't say disregard but it's not an inclusive exiting system as we have right now it doesn't include people of all abilities it just considers physical disabilities but not invisible disabilities so um the exiting system that i'm working on it will be a smart exiting system and it will address invisible disabilities also i call it an inclusive exiting system yeah and uh, i think when emergencies like this happen emergency response is one part of it but exiting is a whole different part of it that we overlook and uh, it is traumatic as it is to get out of a situation like this and when you have certain um, cognitive disabilities and uh, you know neural tendencies and all that it will have long lasting effects on your mental health so uh, with a smart exiting system um, i hope to address that and um, you know maybe make it easier for people to exit out of an emergency system not just in school shooting even during a fire you know earthquakes or any other yeah. emergency at all yeah, so could... that's a yeah that's our second patent and uh, we just filed a, a patent on that and uh, there is a team of engineers working on the design development and i hope you know we can uh, work on it pretty quickly and get it out. Yeah, I could see an exiting system like that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it absolutely working with fire and emergencies and those kind of things. But in my experience with my kids, you know, and we've never been through an experience like you've been through, um, mm -hmm. I could not imagine that situation. Um, but but our schools, you know, they do drills they and they do mm -hmm. lockdown drills where, you know, if, if there's an emergency, you know, they lock down, they close the doors, they close the, the, the classrooms, they stay in the classrooms. And mm -hmm. that really scares me that that's the policy. And I understand at this point, without a technology like what you're developing, that's probably mm -hmm. the most intelligent thing to do because they don't know what's happening or where it is or how it is. And so lockdown is probably the safest, safest method. But if mm -hmm. there was a system that could identify what the potential threat is and where specifically that potential threat is, then, mm -hmm. then, and then there's a system like what you're describing that, that you know, uh, quickly exits and safely exits uh, people from the safe zones, mm -hmm. then that entire policy shifts. That, that, yes. that it's no longer the policy to lock down everywhere. It's, mm -hmm. you know, potentially it's still locked down in a place of threat, but where there is less threat, maybe you can get the majority of the people out to safety immediately before the threat becomes, you know, uh, apparent in that specific location. That's right. Uh, lockdown drills. I wanted to say something on that too. Yeah. Uh, my older daughter was at an age where, you know, the lockdown drills weren't called lockdown drills before. Uh, they used to say that, what if there's a dog on loose? What if something like this yeah. happens? And uh, with the younger one, things are very direct. Uh, her teachers talk about active shooter being on the school right. site. Yeah. And uh, they teach them how to have love. And uh, they even um, tell them how to, uh, you know, huddle up in toilets, like stand up on the toilet seat and have space for everybody if you are in the restroom. That's a little scary to Very me. Very scary, like, yeah. When we went to school, we just wanted to, you know, have fun and be with our friends and not worry about all this. But 
kids today are going through a completely different experience. And uh, for most of them, it's a part of their uh, learning. Uh, it's just like science, math, lockdown drills, do yeah. it all. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> fire know, drill like, to them. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be like that. And, and also just because they do the lockdown drills doesn't mean that in in case of the real event, they will exactly respond like that, right. including the teachers. Because if there is a real situation, the teacher's reaction will be different. And uh, I think kindergartners, first graders, they really pick up on the teacher's signals and uh, react accordingly. Yeah. So uh, that's another problem with the lockdown drills. The older kids will understand what's happening and they will cooperate. But with the younger ones, you never know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very scary situation. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, the the you know when I grew up through school, we never had any kind of threat like that. I mean, it's it was, um, it you know there was prior to me going to school was sort of like the Cold War, and there you know, were threats of that type that nature. So they were sort of you know uh, uh, you know special drills for potential bombings and those kind of things, and then. You know, when when I was going to school, there was like this period of relative peace and there was a few threats. And then, you know, Columbine happened and then, you know, we all know what's happened since. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, the fact that we have the technology today Mm -hmm. to address some of these problems in a new way, um, that it's not necessarily just policy solutions Mm -hmm. anymore. It's it's technology solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and probably also the way buildings are designed, that it's not just about sort of, we have, you know, obviously thousands of existing schools that can be retrofit with new systems, but new schools can be designed in ways, um, mm-hmm. that, that can take your system, uh, to an even higher level because now the building can be designed around the way the system works, uh, and, right. and enhance the system. Um, and so you're not only influencing it by, technology you're influence influencing the future of school design uh, by Mm -hmm. the way your system is being developed yeah and other thing i wanted to add was every time there's a school shooting media just turns into a gun control debate and we all um, have our own views opinions and we share them on social media and after three four days it's all done and uh, we are back to the same things but for kids they have to go back to school (laughs) it's not over for them so maybe it's time for us to put gun control debate or trying to politicize it and all that and, you know, put all that aside and think of it as a problem and think of a solution that doesn't involve policies, policy making, or, you know, any of that bipartisan thing. Maybe uh, we just need to come together and uh, act on a solution. Yeah, put I, power I agree. in our hands rather than give it to media or give it to politicians. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, Magna. I, I think that uh, developing solutions to the problems are, is, is, the, is the way to, to fix some of these because mm-hmm. not only you know, coming together will solve the problems, but coming together will, will, um, will shift the, the debate altogether, you know, that, mm-hmm. that we'll see how one another thinks will become. Because if we're not so focused on you know, the disagreements and, and the arguments over these big, big issues, uh, and we're working together to find solutions rather mm-hmm. than just sort of saying that's bad or that's that's good. You know, I want this. I don't want that. We say, OK, here's a problem. 
how do we fix this problem? And we all work together to solve that problem. I have a, I have a dream in the future that, that um, Entree Architect becomes um, mm-hmm. a network of this type of thinking that uh, we can create systems and processes through our network of Entree Architect to bring architects like you and other people who want to solve a specific problem and say, okay, here's a specific problem that we're going to solve. Here's a way to network our, our knowledge and our brains to come up with solutions to those problems um, and, and actively sort of go down the list of our, our global problems. And uh-huh. because our architects think differently, you know, the way, yes. the way that you have approached this problem of, of gun violence in schools um, mm-hmm. with, with, a, with an architect's brain is very unique. It's, it's a, it's, it's, you're coming at it from a very unique position that others can't because they're not trained the way that we are trained. Um, architects are a very unique um, type of thinker. And so, mm-hmm. if, so, you know, you and your husband and your team are sort of looking at this from a very different perspective than uh, most people would look at it. And so I think that if we could, you know, take that and even scale that up and we bring, you know, tens or twenties or hundreds of architects together and say, mm-hmm. okay, you know, and crowdsource solutions to some of these problems, it would be super exciting to see some of these big problems, you know, start getting solved without the Uh politics, without the arguing, just here's a problem. How do we fix that problem? Right. Just problems and solutions, nothing else. Right, right. Yeah. And, and architects, you know, architects in what we do, uh, Mm -hmm. just as, as, you know, at the very basic definition of what architects are. We were already changing the world by the buildings we design and how we design them. Um, but if we can take that mentality and that knowledge and that passion for changing the world, we really can change the world. I mean, it sounds sort of, you know, crazy, but it's not. It's, 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 we have the ability to do that. We have this network um, uh-huh. of, of people um, that's already built. You know, our networks are already built. It's at the very early stages of those networks becoming something bigger than just the communication and, and relationships that we have. But those, those relationships built on top of technology and then that technology built up on top of those relationships mm-hmm. really becomes a really powerful, um, powerful solution to some of the problems that we have. Uh-huh. And on the same lines, I think uh, we should try and involve other trades also in our solutions. Because uh, before, when I used to think about building and safety, it's just building assemblies and building codes. And I seriously never thought beyond that for almost 18 years. But these days, I'm much more open to looking at other technologies, looking at what other industries are doing, and trying to see if I can employ that in architecture. So maybe um, we need to do that and, you know, open up our eyes beyond the profession and see what everybody else is doing and get ideas from them, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I, I 100% agree. We will be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our friends, our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Arcat, Gusto, and Fresh books. It's spring. It's finally spring, which means it's time for growth and renewal and adjustment. But we're not just talking about your failed New Year's resolutions. We're talking about building products. Manufacturers are removing and adjusting and adding products to their catalogs to meet the standards of an evolving industry. 
And that means your old CAD, your old BIM, and your old specifications may just need some updating. Well, luckily, our cats got you covered. They work directly with manufacturers to get their newest information online so you know you're getting the latest and the greatest building product information every time you go to RCAT. And you know, the best part of this whole thing with RCAT is that all the data is free for you to browse and download. You don't even have to register. You don't even have to give them your email address. So check out RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com, RCAT.com. And tell them that Entree Architect sent you the next time you need the latest building product information. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business like us. You don't have time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. And old school payroll providers, they're just not built for the way that we work today. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses like ours. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get it right from the start. You no longer have to be a big company to get treated with great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. To help support the show here at Entree Architect, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today, and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to EntreeArchitect.com slash Gusto. That's EntreeArchitect.com slash G-U-S-T-O. And claim your free three months of payroll processing. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. Getting started with FreshBooks is ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice seconds after starting their free trial. The same goes for tracking time, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors, and viewing financial reports. It's fast and it's easy. And if you need help at any time, free award-winning customer service is a phone call or an email away. And if you ever have second thoughts, no worries. On top of our free trial for our Entree Architect listeners, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you don't ever have to worry about choosing FreshBooks. So give FreshBooks a try today. It's free for 30 days. Just visit EntreeArchitect.com FreshBooks and let them know that we sent you Entree Architect. Put that in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's EntreeArchitect.com FreshBooks to access your free, unlimited 30-day trial. RCAT, Gusto, and FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Your, your story is very inspirational. Um, and and the, the fact that you're taking action on this is very motivational. Um, so if there's somebody who's listening right now who, who has a solution to a problem, mm -hmm. you know, they say they look at this big problem and they say, well, if you just did this, <laughs> it, would, it would fix that problem. But it's a big, big problem, and you know they're just one architect. So, uh -huh. but you're ta you're tackling that same idea, and you're going ahead with it. So, what would you say would be like the first steps um, that you would recommend to somebody who sort of is in that position that I have a, a you know an idea, and uh -huh. that idea could potentially become you know a big solution to some of the problems we have. What is like the first few steps that someone like that should take? What I did was uh, we worked on a proof of concept. Uh, we first uh, 
talked about the idea and then did a slight design development and uh, we did a proof of concept, then we knew it would work. And then we hired a team of engineers and uh, we started working on it. And while that's happening, I'm trying to contact legislators and uh, ask them if they can sponsor me for a bill. Um, probably uh, I've approached Katie Porter, uh, who is the local representative for Arvine, and uh, hopefully I'll meet her next month and uh, I'll try to give it a push. Um, legislation is one way to go and fix it for everybody in the country. And um, when you, the other thing I'm doing is when I go to all these um, conferences and all, I want to talk about my invention. I want to share what I'm doing so that people know what it is about. And, um, you know, if they have ideas to enhance it, they can share. And if they want, they like my idea and they want to promote it, they can do that. Uh, I, I think that's the way to go. You just have to begin. If you have an idea, don't keep it an idea. Start working on it. Yeah, yeah, and share yeah, and, and share it with some people who could motivate you and inspire you, and and yeah. and and bring in some knowledge that you may not have. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. the The legislation is interesting. So the idea of going to your legislatures um, mm-hmm. and saying, "Okay, I have this solution. I have a proof of concept. I have a patent. We're working on prototypes." Mm-hmm. Um, what type of legislation are you looking to to achieve? Uh, just a school safety legislation where, uh, you know, they make something like this mandatory in all schools, not just the schools that are, you know, that can afford systems like this, but uh, make it available for all schools and uh, keep it mandatory so that everybody is safe. And uh, first thing I want to do is get rid of those monitoring systems. Yeah. Those and, are, yeah. So what to explain that? What what type of monitoring system? Is it, is it something they're using now that that's not yes. not some working? The, uh, some of the schools use these monitoring systems where uh, there are cameras profiling the kids every day, mm-hmm. and it's like there is somebody who is looking at the camera recordings and making a decision there. And when people make decisions, including me, I have my own biases, and I am going to react on that. So when kids come to school, they dress a certain way, act a certain way, and look a certain way. And by monitoring them constantly with these and having somebody make a decision on their behalf, you know, they're profiling these kids and uh, we are making criminals out of kids that might not be that. Right, right. So I totally want to avoid that. That's on my list. If I can, I will get rid of all the cameras in school, no monitoring any children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And let kids and, be kids. Uh, yeah, let kids be kids. Yeah. And don't put too many fences on the school. It's like uh, my daughter's school is a gated uh, school. Right, right. So many and, are becoming that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like she's in a prison. Yeah. And, some, and some of the new anymore. schools... When you see some of the new schools that are being built, many of them uh-huh. look look a lot like prisons that they're being built with yes. these big walls and, and fences mm-hmm. around them, and you know, and they're probably very safe. But they're you know how how does that really lends itself to an education and mm-hmm. you know a childhood? You know that they're being sort of bust in through these big gates, and, uh-huh. you know, and schools are yeah. designed specifically to handle situations like this, but. If you have um, a system that that is much less intrusive mm-hmm. and and um, is legislated to be required in all schools with funding, so the you know mm-hmm. so so 
the school districts not only are required to do it, but there's a way to pay for the system to be put in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, schools can be schools and teachers can be teachers and kids can be teaching, you know, kids um, and let the technology take care of the the potential threat, Uh Um, which, you know, when you look at the, the, the percentages, you know, in the statistics, I mean, it's such this small little potential of any sort of major issue, but when one issue happens, it's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And it ripples through the whole world when something like that happens. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 uh, it's scary. Yeah, yeah. I think especially for us as parents, we can relate more on it. Even if it happens in a remote corner somewhere in a world where we don't know anything about, we are still affected by it. And uh, yeah. next two days, there is this sort of lump in the stomach, I would say, that you're constantly fearing that something would happen and... Your phone rings, your child calls at a time where they have to be in school and you're suddenly scared. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And I, and yeah. I can see that it could go way beyond schools. Uh-huh. You know, that once the schools are sort of taken, taken into account and, and all the kids are safe, it could, you know, go into, you know, uh, public events, venues, you know, yes. uh, big stadiums can, can use a system like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it could go anywhere that, there's, that the, the public assembles. Um, could, right. could have uh, could have a similar system. I could definitely see how um, it could change the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Magna, yeah. this is this is super exciting. I'm really interested in learning more. The um, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you my one question, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll share a little bit about where people can learn more about uh, our path. Um, mm-hmm. What is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Delegate, delegate, delegate. Don't try to do it all. Yeah. You'll burn out and uh, it's not good for you or for your business. Uh, delegate a lot and uh, think ahead. Think 10 steps ahead. Yeah, very good. Focus on the things that you're good at and let mm-hmm. other people take care of the things that uh, that you don't need to do or don't want to do or or somebody can do better. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great advice. So you can learn more about our path at rescuepath.com. So it's R-E-S-C-U-E path, P-A-T-H, rescuepath.com. And Megna is all over social media. So you can find her on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. We'll put show notes, uh, links on the show notes for Rescue Path and uh, for all of Megna's uh, uh, social media. So you can just go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 269, 269. Uh, episode 269 to find links to all of that. Magna, this has been a very inspirational conversation. Um, it's exciting to hear what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, is there anything, I know you're going to be at AIA uh, conference in Las Vegas. Yes. Um, how can people learn more about what you're doing? I know you're speaking there. So how, how do we find you there? Uh, I'll be speaking on Thursday, June 6th at 8 a.m. on enhancing life and safety using artificial intelligence. And I'll also be speaking at uh, AZ Next in Anaheim on uh, May 23rd at 10 a.m. It's the same subject again, enhancing life and safety through artificial intelligence. So you can contact me um, at any of those places and I'm on social media and I'm a very active social media user. So you can contact me there and I'm on Ante Architect group also. So uh, you can reach out to me on the group. 
Yeah, yeah, excellent. Very active on the group at Entree Architect. You can go to entrearchitect.com slash group to sign up for the Entree Architect community. It's a private group for just architects. And so there's a lot of really good conversations going on in there. Mm-hmm. We will have links to all of, uh, for Rescue Path, all the social media. We'll also put links to the two events as well. So you can go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 269 for everything. It'll be nice and easy to sort of link back to Megna and get everything you want to, to learn. I'm sure there's going to be a lot, of in, a lot of people who are interested in what you're doing on so many levels. I mean, for one, it's a, uh-huh. it's a very, very necessary technology. Um, and it's exciting to see an architect taking care of this problem because that's, that's who should be solving these problems because we, <laughs> we think differently. So I thank you for doing that. I thank you for the leadership and the, and the, um, uh, the, the, um, the, the motivation to do it, that you're actually taking action on it. Um, it's, it's exciting to see. So uh, it, it'll be fun and exciting to watch you progress with this. So keep, keep in touch with us. Um, Mm -hmm. And thank you very much for sharing your knowledge here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark, for having me. So this is episode 269. The link to share is entrearchitect.com slash episode 269. What an interesting conversation. Magna is so inspirational, so motivational uh, to, to take an action like that. And, uh, and and turn this idea into something real with with patents and prototypes, and she's making a difference. So uh, it's really exciting to to hear what Megna's doing, and and, uh, and and you know, I hope it's inspiring you to sort of take some of your ideas uh, and take them to the next level. So if you have any questions for Megna, reach out to her and say, hey, I heard you on Entree Architect podcast, and I have this idea, and I'm looking for a way to, to make it happen. So, um, Magna, thank you for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Hey, before you wrap up things with this episode, please go to entrearchitect.com slash profit course and go check out what we have to offer. Today is the final day to register at the all-new Entree Architect Profit Course. This is a seven-part self-directed video training course So you can tune in and learn anytime that you want, whatever works for you from right from the comfort of your your own home, right on your schedule. It's a proven financial management system specifically designed and developed for architects by Steve Wintner with over 30 years of practice, application, and refinement. It's a complete package with spreadsheet templates and calculators, so you don't need to start from scratch. We've done all the hard part for you. It's ready to go. You just need to learn how to implement it at your firm. And you have a private online resource portal filled with downloads and links and financial management resources. And you have access to a private member forum powered by Slack. So you have all the support and accountability that you need to make this financial management system happen. And you have access, direct access to me and Steve in that Slack group. And so you have everything you need to put together a financial management system that could possibly earn you 20%, a a minimum of 20% net profit year after year after year. How much is 20% for your firm? If you're earning um, a a net operating revenue of $100,000, if that's your net operating revenue for your firm, 20% net profit is $20,000. What would you do with $20,000. And the, and this course is less than $500. So would you trade $500 to, 
for $20,000. I think it's a no-brainer, and I want you to go check it out before the cart closes tonight at midnight. Go to entrearchitect.com slash profit course and go check it out and see what we have to offer for you. I'm passionate about this. I want you to, to, to take this course because I think it could really change your business. I think it could change um, the way that you're doing architecture, and I think it could change your life. So go check it out, entrearchitect.com slash profit course. Hey, if you are an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your own small firm, then you're an Entre Architect. And I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entre Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entre Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts 
to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.